Hello, my name is Jay Kaufman, and you're listening to Way Outside. Welcome back, guys. How is it going with everyone today? Once again, my name is Jake Hoffman, and if this is the first time listening to me, welcome to Way Outside. This is a basketball podcast where we might include other sports, but which is me, 17-year-old kid, talking about basketball. And, um, yeah, and also trying to make this entertaining for non-sports fans as well. And I think I do a pretty good job. So, so welcome back. So today we got a lot to talk about. Also, one thing I want to address before we get into all the stuff for today is that I know before I said I would only be doing one episode a week, but I decided, you know, I like doing this a lot. I honestly can't wait to wait through that, so I've decided I'm doing it twice a week. I do I'm go, I'm doing it um what every Friday and every Tuesday will be the dates that I post. So yeah, that's gonna be the schedule for the thing. If I let it knows, I'll let you guys know. But um yeah, so that's pretty much how this is gonna work. So, we got a lot to talk about, and I'm going to start with a, a topic that's going to get me heated right off the bat, guys. Um, So, the two biggest franchises in the NBA this year have been both underachieving, and if you don't know which teams I'm talking about, I'm talking about the Boston Celtics, the Los Angeles Lakers. Both these teams' locker rooms have been an absolute mess. Like, Lakers, at least respectively, the playoff team, right now they're, they're closer to getting freaking Zion, man. They don't know what they're doing. And the Celtics, don't even get me started about them. The fifth seed in the East, with that much talent, the best coach in the NBA? Are you freaking kidding me? Yeah, um, this is something that's going to be a really extreme take. And so the question is, which one is worse? I'm going to first present arguments for both cases. For the Lakers, yes, they have the best player in the world. So you automatically think, oh, they got to be a contender, right? I mean, wrong. First of all, you guys missed 18 games, and they obviously didn't do good in their second game. But also, the West is a very good conference. However, to not be in the playoffs with that kind of thing is something that I is just disgustful. And also the fact that LeBron, people will say that LeBron is no help. Yes, he doesn't have the help from the same person, but he has two very young, bright stars on his team. Kyle Kuzma is... Is a future all-star, in my opinion. Brandon Ingram, yes, he had struggled early in the season, but as of late, he's been really tearing up. He's been carrying their load offensively some of the games over LeBron. So, me. Also, LeBron, when I hear things like you calling out other people for not playing defense, so when you've been noticeably taking defense plays off, yes, LeBron, if you take defense off, I'm fine with that. You're, you're 34, you're in your 16th year. But don't call out other people on your team for not playing defense without accepting the responsibility yourself. Literally, yesterday, we had to see your teammate shove you into someone to play defense. <laughs> Literally. I don't know what the hell is going on in L.A. Doesn't, if they don't get another star, they're screwed. LeBron acts like he's caring more about Space Jam than the new Space Jam than what he's acting is about actual winning some games for L.A. But now let's get on to the Boston Celtics. I mean, man. This Kyrie, you got to figure his shit out. I mean, yes, you're individually. You're playing great. You're averaging the most assists of your career. You're efficient. You've been doing this, all that stuff. However, it seems like the Celtics are better when you're all not on the court. 
Think about this. Last year, Way made it to the Eastern Conference Finals Game 7 against LeBron James before losing without you or Gordon Hayward playing a single minute. With also, with the only player on that roster having actual good playoff experience is Al Horford. But that team went that far. And this year, the Celtics record with the winning percentage with Kyrie compared to without Kyrie, if they win more when they're without Kyrie on percentage-wise. Yes, it's a much different sample size, but still, the ball movement looks better. And even on an eye test, it just looks like the team is playing with overall more sense of joy. Because Kyrie has been calling out people this entire season. Kyrie has been talking about, I don't owe anyone to know if I'm a stick calling back here next year. Kyrie has not been a good leader. Kyrie's been balling himself, yes, but he's been monopolizing the ball. He has been calling out people when it's not fair. He has not made a great enough effort to try to fix what's going on. He acts like he doesn't want to be, he hasn't wanted to be in Boston this entire season. And we know as hell he's not going to be here next year. As much as people want to say the Kyrie to New York rumors are false, I believe in it because I don't believe he's going back to play with LeBron again. You can't ditch LeBron in Cleveland and go back and play with him again in LA. That's just not how it works. But um, for me, the Celtics being the fifth seed with the amount of talent they have, the Celtics should be this first or second team. Yes, I love the Bucs. The Bucs are amazing this year. They're having a great season. Are you really going to argue the talent on the Bucs is more than the Celtics? Yes. The Bucs had the best player between the both teams. Yes. The second best player between them is Kyrie. Third best player, arguably, might be either Gordon Hayward or Jason Tatum. Even though Chris Middles was an all-star. The Celtics have way more overall talent. Even though Boonholzer's done a great job, I would still argue Brad Stevens is a better coach. They should be ahead of him. But no, they're eight, nine games behind them in the standings. And the Celtics haven't dealt with major injuries. Like, Kyrie hasn't been out 20 games. No one's been out. Gordon Hay- the problem is they're giving Gordon Hayward way too many minutes. But he's still not healthy. Yes, you'll see his games. He'll have these numbers and stuff. But if you look at the eye test and actually watch the games, you'll see that he's not the same player. He's, he is still... His efficiency, all those box numbers won't tell you the true story. Even like seeing if, how they are better without a baton. None of that's telling the true story. The Celtics need to be playing Gordon Hayward less. Also, their starting lineup is completely off. Brad Stevens should not be starting Marcus Smart. He's, you're, you're starting an energy guy over someone like Jalen Brown, who is an ultra athlete. Yes, he's been his shooting has been a lot down compared to last year, but is still has had a good seasons as a very good shooter, a very athletic. Um, Smart's a good defender. I would argue Brown's a better one. And then one, you could just have Smart off the bench as an energy guy to give you the boost when you need it, instead of putting that in the starting lineup so that gets diminished. When the starters go to the bench. Also, I think that I think that Kyrie's got to start playing more pick and roll. I think that Kyrie's got to start more. I think Tatum needs to be shooting more a game. I think that Marcus Morris needs to be shooting more. He's been their best off. He's been their most consistent offensive player this season. He's been having a breakout year. Especially from shooting the three. He's got to get more shots. People's got to be playing more. Kyrie's got to be taking less shots. Kyrie's got to be able to find these people for open baskets because of the, all the attention he draws with his dribbling and do that. So for me, I got to say the Celtics are a bigger mess. I mean, they're fifth in the fucking East. Yes, the East is better, but 
There's only like five contending teams. There's five like real contending teams in the East, and they're the worst. And they've had this. They have pretty much the same roster from last year, except they added Kyrie and Gordon Hayward back to it. God, that's frustrating. Okay, we're going to get one more topic, then I'm going to get it really heated on, then I'll try to calm down a little bit, people. So the next one is, I have a Sixers fan. I've been for a few years now before, like Joel Embiid, before Ben Simmons and stuff. Yes. Okay. On paper, the Sixers are the only team that should challenge the Warriors because of the starting lineup talent. Think about the Sixers starting lineup when everyone's healthy. You've got Ben Simmons at the point. You've got J.J. Redick, who's having his best career season. You have Jimmy Butler. You have Tobias Harris, and you have Joel Embiid. That is three players that have been an all-star, one that very well could have been an all-star this year, and one that's playing to borderline all-star level. That is, first of all, why is this team not winning enough? Yes, they're the, currently the fourth seed in the East. I mean, currently the third seed in the East, my bad. Fourth seed, but just behind Indiana. And this, currently this team should be the second seed. I get the Raptors are good. I get the Raptors have experience. I get the Raptors have similarities. Still, the Sixers have too much talent to be losing games to the Lakers and losing games to the Warriors. And the Warriors game, I'm going to get into that one in a little bit because I've watched that whole thing and I saw the problem. But uh, the problem is their talent. The problem is their coach. Brett Brown needs to go. Okay, I appreciate what he was able to do with getting them out of the process into, into last year where they were won, won 52 games and got it to the second round of the playoffs. But Brett Brown is not going to be is not a, the coach that's going to get them to win contention of championships. I just don't see it. The matchups that he puts them in, the decision making, having a, having a sixer foul, Kevin Durant. When you're down only three and you have enough time to, if you hold them, to get off an, a shot to tie, Simmons, um, not instead instead of going for the free throw, trying to bank it, trying to bang it off the rim, rebound it, and with and missing everything, so there's no opportunity. Brett Brown has made a lot of coaching mistakes this season, especially against the Boston Celtics, and that's why, that's why the Celtics is the only team I'm thinking they're beating in the first round if they play. Because they're not, I don't think they're getting home for it. The only team they're beating is the Sixers just because they have some psychological edge. Brett Brown doesn't know how to beat the Celtics. They know how to contain Ben Simmons. They know how to contain Embiid. So yeah, Brett Brown has got to go. Whew. Okay, back into a little bit more um, less ranting. Can anyone in the West challenge the Warriors this season? And what I have to say is, yes, I think the Warriors are vulnerable. Yes, they have DeMarcus Cousins, but still. Draymond Green is not back to an all-star caliber player. Curry has had a great season of have lately. He's been struggling, especially from three. And also, Clay Thompson has missed a decent amount of time with injury. Their bench depth is not what it used to be. Um, they, they, they can be very carelessly turn the ball over. No, I'm not saying they're not the, they're just, they aren't the favorites to come out of the West because I still think that in the end... and. Until you show, until I see a team beat them in a seven-game series, I don't believe that they're, they're going to lose. Just constructed as the way they are now. But if I have to take the team, a lot of people are saying the Rockets. Oh, because they have a, the leading score. Jaden Tarn's average 36. They challenged them in seven games last year. And I have to disagree. A thing that made the Rockets so much better than they were the year before wasn't just the addition of Chris Paul's offense. It was of the defense that he brought. And the defense they had with Trevor Ariza. The Rockets were a good defensive team last year. They were top 10. Right now, they were, they're in the middle of the pack. And they started off the season... Close to last. 
Yes, they're still shooting the threes and still have a chance against any team any night because of that if they're hitting threes. But still, if you're talking about a seven-game series, you can't rely on that to win you four games against the Warriors. For me, the number one team that's has a chance of contending is the, is the Oklahoma City Thunder with Paul George, who's been playing like an absolute stud, been clutched for the first time in his career. Russell Westbrook, who's still, even though he's having a very inefficient season, still impacts the game in so many ways. Jeremy Grant, who's been having a breakout season. Steven Adams, who's been just playing great on for offensive rebounding and defensive purposes. And um, I've liked Nader off the bench. I like Ferguson. He's been having a great year shooting three and is an athletic thing. I think they can push the Warriors, the six or seven. I don't think they'll beat them, but they have the best chance in my opinion because they have a, an, a superstar that is in his prime, willing to play defense, in my opinion, is the defensive player of the year right now. So, yeah, I think that the Thunder will. If you have to ask for my second thing, I would go with the Nuggets. Yes, I know that the Nuggets have not been in the playoffs anytime recently and haven't proven in the playoffs. Yes, but the amount of talent this team has, especially young talent, is getting is kind of ridiculous. I mean, they had a time where they missed four of their starters and they still destroyed a, still destroyed a playoff team. Denver, there's two good. There's Jokic, there's Millsap, there's, there's Beasley, there's Murray, there's Craig, there's Harris, there's Monte Morris, who I really like. They're just too deep and too good. Like if there's some teams, if they have a major injury, that their title hopes are considered huge. If the if if someone of the Nuggets gets severely injured, they still have a chance to go really far because of the fact of how deep they are and that they don't rely on one player to be their primary scorer. Yes, Jokic is their leading scorer, but Jokic is also other players are team. Jamal Murray had almost got fifty in a game. Man, this team is just so good, and I, I they're very fun to watch. They always have the advantage because of the altitude, and I just think that they're really going to be a tough team to, for the Warriors to knock out. Um, yeah, here, um, before we get back to basketball for the last two things, I want to talk about, or before we get back to actual basketball or, like, normal stuff, I want to talk about a new segment that I want to do. Every other episode, so one episode, I'm going to do this, the one thing I'm doing today. The next time, another this episode, we're gonna do a weird, a cup, two weird rules in the NBA, and then the next time we're gonna do two random sports that are no one's ever heard of, and that will make you absolutely think what the hell is going on. So the first rule I want to talk about is the called the sixth man rule, and you might think at first it's about like the guy that comes off the bench, you know, the first guy that comes up to sixth man. It's not exactly. So there was a rule at one point in the NBA where if you somehow got six players on the court and were able to score with those six players without the referees noticing, you were allowed to keep your points. And the only punishment was that you would have to give up a free throw. But think about this. If you're scoring like that, that means you're, a score, you're not scoring from the free throw line. That means you're not getting, you're scoring at least two, if not three points. And a free throw is only going to be good. So either way, you were able to gain a point for the referees being dumb or the referees being unaware. It's kind of crazy, and I mean, just kind of thinks about ridiculous. I want to try to find some videos on this. It's hard, but um, just think about that if that was still a rule. I mean, just about like the referees have already gotten so much crap and deservedly so for the refereeing that's been going on. Imagine if this rule was still allowed. Yeah, they would. They would never be able to leave their homes. Okay, and the other rule I want to talk about is called the wrong side rule, which is I think I I first saw about in a game with the Sixers in the Heat, is that if the teams. I remember personally playing basketball in high school and middle school stuff is that this is something that for some reason happens a lot of times where teams start or accidentally start going on the wrong hoop in the beginning. And the rule about this is is that the refs only have 24 seconds to realize if this is happening. 
Otherwise, if they're if they otherwise they just play the half like that <laughs> until the next half and then switch it up. It's it just sounds mind blowing to me. It's like because you have a signed basket for that first half. Don't you think that they would just make you like whenever they realize it? I get that this stuff. And they also start the game over. But don't you think they would just have them, like, switch the sides of the court but keep, like, the game and stuff? Because the side of the court doesn't – I mean, it only affects, like, for your like coaching and stuff. It doesn't affect how many points you're going to score mostly and to an extent. So these two rules are something – the wrong side rule is one that's still in play today. So, yeah. Okay, we're going to go back into current NBA topics that we were – well, this is one. The Bulls and Hawks game. The four-overtime game. I don't know if you heard about this, but – Last Friday, the Bulls and the Hawks played a game that could is, is probably the best worst game ever. This game didn't end in regulation. It didn't end in one overtime. Nor in two, nor in three. This game took four freaking overtimes to finish this out. 68 minutes of basketball. The final score of this game was 168 to 161 with the Bulls winning. That is the third highest scoring game in NBA history from two very low lottery teams and two teams trying to get Zion. And when I this game, I was watching the end of it because I'm a Bulls fan. I live in Chicago, and I said the end. The Bulls were had were up by six with like a minute, or actually were up by eight with which is a minute and a half or many. And they ended up blowing that lead, and also to the point is where Trey Young hit a three go ahead three, but the to put the Hawks up three with just two seconds left, and where all the Hawks had to do was. Pretty much get out of the way because they struggled. The Bulls struggled to ball the ball and do it and not foul, and then they would win. They foul Otto Porter on the shot that had no chance in hell of going in, and this game went to an overtime. In the first overtime, many missed opportunities. I think the the first thing the Bulls did wrong was not give Lowry Markin the ball until the fourth overtime. You you got to give your best player that ball. Yes, Levine's your, Levine is an explosive score. I get that. Larry Marketing taking two shots at four overtimes is not acceptable, especially considering the run he had been on, which ended on, on Sunday night when I was at the game. But we don't, we don't have to talk about that. Second of all, the end of the second overtime, Otto Porter, point-blank layup at the buzzer to win. Yes, it was contested, but that's a shot you got to make. He claimed he got fouled. Looking back on it, he didn't. So yeah, that game was just was so, was a bunch of misery and beauty at the same time, and I don't know how to explain other than that. Not one of the best games of the year. A lot of people are trying to argue that. I don't agree with it, but yeah. Right now, as I'm recording this, I'm currently watching the Rockets Raptors game, and I'm taking and I'm just going to give you guys some of my live takes. The Rockets, when James Harden is willing to give up the basketball and not shoot thirty shots a game and eighteen from three. They are a very, very, very good team. Are they like? Are they like? Are they the, the second best team in the West? No, I would argue that if they can do, if they play like this in a whole entire season, with the defense and the additions they have, they would be the third seed in the West. I think this Rockets team is really good. I don't know if they can challenge Golden State because I don't know about James Harden's playoff. I don't know about CP 3s even though he stepped it up last playoffs. But yeah, the uh, also the Raptors is that there these Western Conference teams really get to them, and also is that. There's some games where they don't show up at all. I know every team has that, but there's some games where everyone's missing and it just looks like, you know, they're overhyped. Where, like, all these strengths they talk about just evaporate. And then there's times where it goes on for a couple of games. Still, I think the Raptors are going to be very good. I think the Raptors are going to make at least the East Semifinals, if not the Eastern Conference Finals. If they somehow get knocked out to the third seed, that's what I'm worried about because I, I... Then they'd have to play... 
then they would have to play a, the two seed if in order to move on. Then I think that'd be a tougher matchup. I think the Sixers will be a tougher matchup because of the amount of talent, just having to guard all that. I think that, yeah. But the Raptors and Rockets, these are two really good teams that I think are going to make some noise in the playoffs. I don't think they're going to the finals. Going, I, I think both these teams are both legitimate conference finals contenders. And um, last thing I want to talk about is my next episode, guys, will be about March Madness. because And if you don't know what March Madness is, it's, if you only know NBA, the, NC, the college basketball tournament in March, which is one of the most amazing times of the year, one of my favorite times of the year, not just in sports, but in my entire life. It's in a great thing. Communities, bond, just going with your friends, getting to argue about which college you like, which college because you, what your parents went to and stuff. It's just great. And something I was going to talk about next episode is that I am going to be making a tournament challenge that any one of you guys can join. If so, you guys can all try to pick against me and see who gets more picks right. I'll have more information on that in the next episode of this podcast, but yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. So anyways, guys, this is about it for this episode. Um, make sure to follow this account, like this thing, and share it with your friends. Um, I hope that you guys all enjoyed, and I'll see you guys next time on Way Outside. This is Jake Kaufman signing out.